Hello, friends, and welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. My name is Scott Cowan, and I'm the host of the show. Each episode, I have a conversation with an interesting guest who is living in or from Washington State. These are casual conversations with real and interesting people. I think you're going to like the show. So let's jump right in with today's guest. Well, I'm sitting here today with Joey Lawrence. At first, I thought I was talking to the child actor. <laughs> now I think I'm talking to Jerry Garcia because, Joey, do you look you look a lot like Jerry Garcia, who is a an icon in my life. So that's a compliment to you. That's not 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 meant to be a slam. Jerry Garcia is my 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 go to music choice all the time. So well, you, you helped point me in the right direction for a Halloween costume. So thank you back. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That was it. so. So the backstory there is when Joey and I were talking about being uh, having Joey on on the show. It was right before Halloween. And he had mentioned in passing he was going to go as Jerry Garcia, and I'm like, what? What? You know, come on. And then he he showed me a picture, and I'm like, oh, well, God, there's a there's <laughs> there's a frightening similarity here. And so I gave him the you know black black t-shirt, sweatpants, and you're you're you've got old Jerry. Not that you're old, Joey. I don't mean it like that, but you know that was kind of Jerry's iconic look there for more than half of his career was just this very casual t-shirt, sweats. Let's go play guitar. So thankfully, that's an easy costume to find. Exactly. <laughs> No, but Joey, Joey, who have nothing to do with music, at least that's not why we're talking today. You are the guy behind Barreled, which hopes to be a surf park in the Yakima area, just east of Yakima. So we're just gonna, I'm just going to say Yakima. I know it's probably technically is that Moxie, but we're or Yakima County, technically Yakima County. But we're just going to yeah. shorten that for the for the purposes of the show today. Yakima. Sure, 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 sure. Now. You know, I'm going to tee it up with just the softball question for you because everyone's going to go, Surf Park, Yakima, what? But let's go with that. Why? First off, no, we're not going to go there. I'm going to back up. Stop. Sure. You went to the University of Washington. I saw that. Yes, sir. What brought you to Yakima? First of all, let's go there first. Okay. Uh, Well, I mean... I'll just start at the beginning because they all kind of uh, okay. uh, rely on each other. Um, so initially, I grew up uh, just outside of Seattle in a town called Woodenville, Washington. Um, it was there that my dad showed me a video of the endless summer. I think I was in like third grade. And I tell people, um, I don't know if it was the adventure or the surfing, but I fell in love with one of them or both. Um, but Woodenville doesn't have much of a home break. <laughs> and so I ended up uh, turning my attention to a different sport, uh, gymnastics of all of all sports. Uh, I ended up uh, doing gymnastics for 22 years. Uh, I competed at the University of Washington and then uh, chased a U.S. national team goal uh, for a few years after. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that got cut short, uh, the meet before the qualifying meet, I ruptured my bicep trying to do a strength move on the rings. Uh, and so it was time to retire. Um, and that left me with the freedom to go travel and chase my endless summer. Uh, so I ended up moving to Australia, uh, and doing my working holiday visa, uh, for a year down there. Uh, it was there that I kind of realized that um, I could turn a hobby. My dad had introduced our whole family to scuba diving at a very early age. Uh, I could turn a hobby into a career path where it would give me the freedom to travel around the world. 
so I came back from Australia uh, with a plan to go seek my dive instructor course. Um, okay. Broke. Uh, and I had one very, very unfortunate dive experience, um, which shook my confidence, uh, but I wanted to try to push through it. Uh, so I came back to the States and it was right then that, uh, one of my fraternity brothers at university of Washington and his family were getting bail breaker brewing company started. Um, and so, yeah, they, <laughs> they needed somebody to help with packaging and schlep kegs and in, in the tap room. And, um, I needed to raise some money so I could go out on my scuba adventure. Uh, so I headed over here. I believe that was March of 2014 um, and spent nine months out here. Uh, I was getting all set to head to the Maldives to go get my scuba instructor license. Uh, I decided to go to the doctor uh, and get a physical because I didn't know when I was going to be back in the U.S. Um, And they poked around and they found a big old tumor inside of me. Um, And I have the nickname of the luckiest of the unlucky because when things go bad, they go pretty good for me. Uh, So the tumor, um, it took them a few months, but they figured out that it was benign. Uh, But obviously I had to get it taken out. Uh, That set me back from going to the Maldives. Um, So I ended up uh, spending a summer doing ATV tour guiding in near Denali National Park. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I finally got back onto the path uh, of the scuba instructor course, which was only offered every fall uh, in the Maldives. And so I headed out there and it was pretty quickly evident that that scuba diving accident plus the time out of the water um, left me pretty uncomfortable. Uh, I could get myself down, um, but I certainly didn't think I could uh, be responsible for other people's well-being underwater. Okay. So time to hang up the reg. Um, and so I was standing in the Tropic Surf Shop uh, on the island of Kudahura in the Maldives, um, about five days before I was moving back home into my parents' basement, um, basically head hung low, uh, ashamed that I couldn't achieve my goal. Uh, I did get my scuba instructor license, but I, I didn't take it any further than that. Um, um, yeah. And so, uh, let's see what happened after that. Um, yeah, so then I came back from – oh, so I was standing in the Tropic Surf Shop, and uh, an Instagram video hit um, from Kelly Slater in December 2015 of his wave, his artificial wave that he created. Um, and literally as soon as I saw it, uh, I knew where it was supposed to go and what I was supposed to call it. And so I headed back home uh, into my parents' basement in Woodenville. Um spent a year building a business plan uh, because I knew the seriousness of the ask that I was about to make to potential investors. Um, I knew this had to be pretty well researched. Um, And so spent a year building the business plan, eventually moved back over to Yakima in 2017, um, started working back at Bailbreaker. I'm the taproom guy. So if you ever come into Bailbreaker, I'll be pouring you a beer. Um, but that was to start the land search. And so the land hunt started in 2017. Awesome. I'm going to pause. Cause I have a question about bell breaker. I was on the sure. bell. Bre- I was on the bell breaker website. 
and they have photos of all the crew. Yeah, notice, that's neat. I noticed two two things. Seems like every single guy has facial hair. Is that a requirement at Bailbreaker that you have to be be rocking a big beard or have good facial hair? Um, to be honest, it's it's kind of a it's a brewery um, it's kind of a brewery uniform. Is okay. That's easy. Thick glasses, a big beard. I don't have any tattoos, but oftentimes a sleeve tattoo. It's right. uh, it's the look in the brewery world. Um, okay. All right. Yeah, it's we we don't have to stay clean shaven, so right. it's nice. So why yeah, why do it if you don't have to? So then yeah. the other question is your photo on the Bailbreaker site. What on earth? Okay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that photo from the Bailbreaker site. I'm gonna admit that publicly. I'm gonna post it with this <laughs> with this interview because that photo cracked me up. What on earth happened and who was that planned or was that somebody just got lucky with a camera? What's going on there? Um, so I used to have a little fun with, uh, Movember, uh, and try to come up with some interesting, funny posts, um, during my travels. And, uh, and actually this was not planned by me. It was supposed to be a fantasy football bet, uh, that the guy that I played was supposed to take on, right? but he couldn't make it. And I had built it up so much to all the guys in the brewery that I just took one for the team and, and tried it myself. So that's me drinking straight out of a bright tank. Um, so from like probably like a inch and a half tube. Yeah. You know, fire away. <laughs> that, that photo is pretty funny. All right. So you spent a year in your parents' basement researching everything. You move over and you start working at Bellbreaker to keep, keep, keep a roof over your head type thing. The, Yep, yep, keep the lights so on. And what you're trying to do, and I'm going to oversimplify it, is you're trying to put a surf park in a primarily agricultural area that's considered high desert. So this all, I mean, it, it makes, you, makes you on the surface, you go, huh. But then I started researching a little bit more about the whole concept. And so my understanding is you guys have procured 80 acres of land. Is that is that correct? Uh, so, correct, yep. Yep. Okay. You have worked through a lot of the permitting process. You've uh, answered a lot of questions that the public has had, both pro and con. And at this point, what I can see online is you guys are going to develop about 40 acres of that. So about half and the other half is going to be restored back or if not restored, but kept, you know, raw. Yeah, a little less than that. Uh, Twenty-five okay. acres is about okay. the plot. Okay. We have a uh, five hundred foot corridors, wildlife okay. corridors on the north and south. Okay. Yep. So that's all. I mean, it, all, that all sounds like a being a very good, cautious steward. That's awesome. I love that. But still, why Yakima? You said you saw this vision. I mean, I don't think it's a bad vision. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just trying to get you like, why? Why Yakima? Why not? Why not anywhere? And I don't mean anywhere else like that in a bad way, but like why Yakima? What, what's, yeah, what's yeah, no job? worries. <laughs> of course, of course. So um, really what I was chasing is I wanted to provide an experience that was different enough from coastal surfing that it would be um, convincing to the market to drive two hours the other way to come to my wave rather than spend it up there. Okay. And the way that I could best differentiate uh, from surfing that cold North Pacific water uh, is finding the Palm Springs of Washington. Uh, I know everybody hates that moniker in the area, 
um, but it does a pretty good job of describing the climate. And so it, first and foremost, um, <clears throat> gives people the chance uh, to surf in a rash guard in board shorts or a swimsuit. Um, mm -hmm. which I believe is the best and truest form to experience surfing. Um, okay. I'm not one to put on a tight wetsuit. It gets me a little claustrophobic. Uh, plus, the, the cold is not my friend. So um, we're hoping to provide an experience that, that's a little different. Um, so the weather was the first thing driving it. Uh, but there's a lot of places east of the Cascades that have good weather. Mm -hmm. And so the second thing that drove it is we were looking to – we knew we were going to be a seasonal operation, but we were looking to maximize our operate our operating season. Mm -hmm. The reason hops grow in Yakima and not in places like Ellensburg and Wenatchee is it sits about 1,000 feet lower in elevation than those places, which means it gets warmer earlier and stays warmer longer. And so – that gives us the potential we we uh at the moment have put into our modeling uh, operating season april 1st through october 31st uh, i do believe the chance to operate at least through november is there um oh. but um yeah so that was the second part operating length season the third thing is uh centrally located between the three main population hubs so it's just two hours east of Seattle. Most people don't realize it's that close. It's also just two hours uh, uh, northeast of Portland. Um, mm -hmm. And then it's three hours south, what is that, southwest of Spokane. Uh, and so the three main population hubs in the Pacific Northwest are all within reach of Yakima for a day trip. I also think you're overlooking, or at least you left out, Tri-Cities has got a much larger population base than we probably think of. And that's, what, an hour and a half maybe? You know, just, just coming up 84. I mean, yep. you've got Tri-Cities. So you really got four, four major metropolitan areas that you're conveniently located to. Right. And the reason why we decided um, Yakima instead of Tri-Cities was twofold. Number one, our research showed a pretty major drop-off of people willing to drive two hours to things versus three hours. There's okay. there's a there's some sort of mental block that like right at two and a half hours, people it's like a movie, right? Two hour yeah. movie I'll go see, three hour movie I gotta I gotta yeah. mentally prepare for. Right. Um the other thing, um well kind of two other pieces. Um Number one is it is a tourism hub already. Most people don't know this. I didn't know this, but uh, I believe it was 2022, maybe 2021. They had 400,000 more uh, tourist visitors than Lake Chelan did. Lake Chelan has a water park and a surf simulator. And so I started digging into what types of people are coming. Mm -hmm. um, and they're all... If you made a Venn diagram of of my target market and a lot of these groups, there's a lot of overlap. They're coming because they have become the uh, kind of the mecca of Pacific Northwest sports tournaments, especially mm -hmm. baseball, soccer, and softball. Yep. Um, which, as a member of the Taproom crew, I can tell you drives a lot of business, especially on the weekends uh, throughout the summer. Um, they also are the east entrance to Mount Rainier National Park. Mm -hmm. uh, so all the outdoorsy folks are coming through. 
Um, they are also on the way to the Gorge Amphitheater for everyone south of Olympia. Uh, mm-hmm. So next time the Grateful Dead <laughs> uh, get get on the reunion, the extra reunion tour. Yeah. Um, the, well, reunion, uh, the reunion, reunion, reunion tour. Yeah. Is that what they're on now? Reunion well, cubes. <laughs> they've uh, the the current what was the current uh, lineup of Dead and Company uh, kind of broke up during the middle of this last tour, and then at the end of it, John Mayer has at the, for the time being gone on to a solo career so we'll see we'll see what happens well next time you head to the gorge for whatever festival (laughs) exactly um, yeah maybe one of the the edm concerts or whatever they're called the uh yeah the 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 loud techno house music yeah it's not my thing but i'd probably show up if if fish or uh (laughs) okay the jam bands the jam bands i'm kind of into the jam band sound right on so um yeah and then um yeah so and then the last thing I wanted to just uh, touch on about why Yakima is uh, especially opposed to the Tri-Cities because we get a lot of questions about that. Um, I do believe there is a rather distinct, unique culture in Yakima surrounding craft beverage, surrounding ag um, that we kind of built our brand around, which mm-hmm. I told you I knew exactly what to call it. Barreled is not only one of the pinnacle surf maneuvers. It's obviously uh, what they use to measure and age all sorts of stuff in the Yakima Valley. Um, And so there was kind of a rural ag tourism um, existing culture that we kind of piggybacked off of um, that I think was a little little bit lacking in Tri-Cities as opposed to Yakima. Okay. No, that's, that's very cool. I, I think I think personally, I mean, I think the the location is a great idea. I, I, I like the idea because it seems I think you need to be a little out. Yeah, like putting this in downtown Yakima or downtown anywhere would be a little well, A it'd be probably a lot more expensive. Uh B I just think the idea of driving out to to a destination, kind of like the gorge, like when the gorge opened when you were a little kid or before you were born, <laughs> you know, they didn't have lights out in the parking lot. Yeah. I remember I went to, I went to I think I went to the first show at the gorge. And you couldn't find your car. You're wandering around in a lumpy parking lot because it was in the field, and you know, and at least that's and nobody the, had the the remote. Yeah, the remote. Uh, yeah, nobody had remotes back then. We didn't have cell phones back then. We had our lighters, and you know, they were out of butane. And anyway, but the gorge has evolved to it, it evolved to this, you know, this iconic uh, destination that people willingly travel to from across the tens across of the west. Hundreds yeah, of thousands. Tens, right. And then have you ever made the mistake of stopping in Ellensburg on the way home after a gourd show? Every gas station's full. Every, I mean, it's kind of the wave that hits. And I'm sure it goes Moses Lake. I've always gone west. I've never had to go east. Anyway, I think it's great you're making this destination thing. I got a couple of questions. I mean, this is where I'll probably bounce around a little bit. So I'm going to, this may be throwing you off. And I'm not trying to, but this is the way my brain works. No problem. So, so how big is the, the pool, the wave pool? It, What's the projected size of this thing? Uh, sure. So we um, have entered an early partnership with a Spanish company called Wave Garden, uh, mm-hmm. and we are looking to implement their Cove technology, um, which I tell people to think of basically as the shape of a baseball diamond. Okay. Um, and it ends up being um, a five and a half acre total area pool. So it's a pretty dang big pool. That's a big pool. Um, 
it's 6.6 million gallons. Uh, and so actually most of the pool is about in three feet or so of water. Okay. We need it to be really deep where we, where we, uh, make the wave. Um, but then it comes up onto an artificial, um, basically reef, um, okay. and, and comes into shallow water pretty quickly, uh, that then reforms into little ankle biters that, that people can uh, learn on with all the foam boards. Uh, so kind of get double bang for your buck on the wave. Um, let's see the rest of the property is um we are going to have overnight lodging uh so we have 21 campsites that can have up to four tents uh we've got 21 rv slots that have power but not water mm -hmm. and then we've got uh kind of what we've dubbed our deconstructed hotel uh it's going to be a series of kind of cottages all that um uh all that corrugated metal that you see in in most rural structures uh, but we'll have 10 one-bedroom, 10 two-bedroom, three three-bedrooms. And then there'll be a um, – our entrance building will be a surf barn, which is our merch shop and our surf shop. Um, our bar and restaurant will be modeled after a roadside fruit stand, uh, kind of a Whole Foods uh, food court style with a hot station, cold station. It's, I think, the best way to keep the most variety because uh, we're hoping people come back over and over and over and over again. Right. Uh, and then our um, our – locker rooms and kind of auxiliary rooms for birthdays and corporate events and uh, yoga classes. Um, that'll be our tractor shed. So that's kind of, um, like I said, it all sits on about 25 acres in total. Okay. Um, the, um, and then going back to the pool real quick, the, just to let you know, we can basically pump out uh, up to a seven foot barreling wave on demand. Uh, and then we are able to, uh, manipulate that wave to turn into a longboard Malibu style wave. Um, it could become a steeper wave for the short boards. There's tons of variety in size and shape, um, which again, will hopefully keep people coming back over and over again. So you mentioned that the, the majority of the pool is about three and a half, three feet deep in the, but you said where the waves are created is deeper. How about how deep is that part of the pool? Like how uh, deep ish. Yeah, I'd say I'd actually don't know for for a fact. Okay. They, they uh, I haven't gotten that far into the okay. uh, into okay. the relationship with the Wave Garden team that they've shared detailed specs. Just because, okay. um, yeah, they're understandably trying to keep a pretty close uh, sure. close. Um, um, but um, then, yeah, you said something that you know I wasn't prepared for, and that is that you can change the wave style. So how? Is there now? Now I've got a vision of a guy sitting up at a with a bunch of levers, and he's pulling levers to make the waves do certain things. But how often and how easy are? And you may not know the answer to this yet, but how easy is it to change that wave style? Can you do it? And I don't know that it makes sense to do it this way, but can you do three barrels and then do one different type of wave, or is it more like you set it up for a while and then later in the day you maybe change it over to a different style of wave? So as far as I understand, it can um, change wave to wave. Oh, I do wow. think I do think there is a. They've found that there is some issues um, when you have some of the smaller waves. Obviously, the beginners are, are paddling through. If a big wave comes through and crashes on them, it's still a big wave crashing on them. So still, they try to match like, up skill levels. See, I wouldn't be a good guy at the controls because I'd be like, "Hey, this will be fun. Let's you know." 
you know, no, just kidding. Oh um, yeah, no, you, you uh, <laughs> there actually is a guy up at the controls that 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 uh, stands guard and has emergency shut off and all that good stuff. Okay. Um, but essentially, what will happen is uh, you'll have twelve. So if you got that baseball diamond in mind, right. the machine that creates the wave bisects it right down the met- middle, and all so. Right. When the machine moves, it creates a right-hander, and then when it returns back to rest position, it creates a left-hand. Oh, and wow, okay. so, um, yeah, again, I haven't gotten much further no, than that, but that's, that's okay. how far I understand it. They say that they can create up to 1,000 waves an hour, um, which is a wave every wow. seven seconds, um, which – is kind of a ridiculous number in my in uh, in our estimation. So we even backed off of that for our financial modeling and went with a much more conservative 600 waves per hour. 600 um, waves an hour, okay. Yeah, that's a wave every 15 seconds um, yeah. is what that works out to be. Um, but the, the last thing I'll say about kind of the variety of wave is I do believe that the bigger waves will have more of an effect on the pool um, – kind of stabilization rate Mm -hmm. it doesn't settle as quickly obviously when you create bigger waves which can affect the waves that are coming after it um and so um yeah usually again i i my guess is that usually they would have kind of a premium section where the guys are having barrels and they'd space them out just a little bit more um just because the guys are gonna get rolled under there and need a bit more time to recover um But yeah, okay. that's uh, yeah. And then temperature, uh, are, is, will this will this be heated? Is this going to be just ambient temperature? What's that going to look like? Yeah, so um, we have not yet explored uh, geothermal, so it comes with that caveat. Uh, but the only one of these pools that managed to get heated is the one in South Korea. Okay. And I heard through the grapevine that it costs an extra somewhere between seven, seven and ten million dollars in infrastructure, and they had to be uh, located right next to a garbage incinerator. And so we were not wanting to be located next to a garbage incinerator. <laughs> I don't um, know why. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, the why. pristine natural environment. Here's yeah. <laughs> your garbage burning. Um, and so. Uh, we um yeah it's going to be ambient temperature we're expecting especially on the on the shoulder seasons that you're going to need basically the same wetsuit that you'd need out on the pacific right um but over time uh in the the hot sun we're hoping late july august early september uh the water will stay warm enough that you can um at least wear maybe a a shorty up top but hopefully Mm -hmm. just a rash guard is what we're hoping well, and, and three and a half feet isn't that deep of water to warm up. I mean, that should, you know, I mean, the the majority of the pool is pretty shallow. So that, yeah, I would think that, that would, and you're circulating it. So I would think that it would, I'm not a scientist. I may be completely wrong, but to me, it seems like it would warm up and be comfortable. Yes. I'm, okay. I'm going to go with your scientific. Yeah, just, we're going to stick with I'm me. actually going to quote you in my next presentation. Yeah, just perfect. So you know. <laughs> yeah. This guy who knows nothing thinks this. He said science. <laughs> science, yeah. So then one thing I read, and I thought this was an interesting um, accommodation that you guys are, are making, is that you, you were working with a farmer who's agreed to stop producing on 13 and a half acres or get plus or minus there so that the water that would be used for production would be uh, so that the pool, the pool isn't net, you're, 
Words can be so hard for a guy who talks. Net, net um, zero. Net uh, zero. Thank you. Out. Yeah. Yep. Easy. Yeah. That's that's very cool that you're doing that, um, and that that the the guy is willing to to work with you. It's a great a great trade off. A great way of managing, in my opinion, great way of managing the resources. Um. So one question I had was, you said this is a seasonal park, so April to we'll say April to November. Um. What happens to the water? How do you? What do you guys do with the with the pool during the off season? Do you have to drain it, or how does how do you envision the off season looking? Yeah, so uh, we don't have to drain it. So it works basically just like if you have a pool at your house. Um, we'll essentially shut it down for the winter, winterize everything. Um, mm-hmm. All the all the pipes that are small enough to burst will will winterize, and then. Right. Um, uh, to keep the pool um, in decent shape from freezing over, they've found they actually have one of these built in the Alps in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Um, they have found uh, that as long as they create like these little microwaves, like just a couple inches tall, um, it keeps the ice from freezing or it keeps the oh. water from freezing, is what I should say. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, and so no, we are we are not expecting um, to have to empty the pool, even though we have the annual allotment, actually mm-hmm. the only reason that we can foresee that we'd need to empty the pool is to use the water to stay within ecology's five year use it or lose it loss. Right. Um, and so, um, yeah, other than that, it's basically a closed loop system. We'll have to top off for pan evaporation, obviously, awesome. um, which is a decent amount of water being, being such a large surface area. Uh, but as you said, uh, we have that compensated coming out of a, a water right that it was existing where we took it from. So there's mm-hmm. no, like you said, new water coming out of the ground, which is very important in the Yakima Valley. Um, okay. Yeah, huge lawsuits are still pending uh, over water rights. Um but yeah, no, our, we wanted to be pretty water water wise, and actually that's even. People get a little scared because uh, in our proposal we we propose uh, digging a, a another well, um, but we propose that actually to take pressure off of the aquifer because mm-hmm. our domestic use doesn't have the same need as for a 650 gallon per minute pump. Right. We just need less than a hundred gallon per minute pump, uh, and so we are willing to incur the additional cost to put another well in the ground to make sure that we have a lesser effect for our, uh, our domestic use has a lesser effect on the aquifer than it would if we had to flip on the 650 uh, gallon pump every time. Okay. And then I read or I heard somewhere you guys. So what, one question I had was if you were to just drain the pool, that's a lot of water just to go everywhere, which isn't good either. So you guys are, planning a retention area as well is that correct so the retention area already exists um that yeah it's already on the farm to our south uh there's a chance we may have to widen it just a little bit um but but not much um but they have found uh water i don't dechlorinates pretty quickly in um in wave breaking situations uh when it's all turned up like that and so what they're finding is that um in order to dump the water i just need to hold it 
turned on for about seven to ten hours and and all the chlorine would dissipate and then it's water that's ready to go that we would pump into the retention pond uh, and then they could use on the crops uh, wow. and so okay. yeah we um, our belief is that uh, water as precious of a resource is as it is in the Yakima Valley um, can be used a little bit more efficiently, um, i.e. getting an extra use out of it before it ends up on the crops, um, either a recreational use or um, I can't really think of any other <laughs> uh, use at the moment, but uh, but some sort of recreational use that we then end up putting that water on the crops because the, the crops is the end of the water life cycle. You can't mm -hmm. use the water on anything else after that. Um, right. So let's use, let's, let's try to, Let's try to get a revenue generator out of it before it goes to the end of life cycle. Okay. Uh, another thing I was reading was that there has been some public concern about traffic. And what I saw as a response was you're going to have a reservation system and maybe it was at a hundred people an hour using the pool. Is that, was that an accurate number? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so I tell people to think of this like a summer ski resort conceptually, mm -hmm. uh, but not operationally. Um, it's not going to be a big rush to first chair and then people just keep pouring in over the course of the day till till it's packed beyond reason. Um, mm -hmm. Like I said, this will the the pool itself will the surf pool will all run on hourly reservations, uh, okay. and so with a hundred people maximum. Um, plus all the carpool and we don't think it's going to be a ton of, of, right. uh, additional traffic. Um, but the other thing that we, we tell people to keep in mind is, is development is coming, um, less than two miles as the crow flies to our West, uh, there's 600 homes that are going in, right. um, two miles to our Southwest. There's another couple hundred homes going in, um, right. and, and kind of my, our, our impact on the traffic, uh, spectrum would be a whole lot less than a 600, 500, uh, home development, which seems to be kind of the, um, a common theme in the area, especially when mm -hmm. you realize, uh, the quality of the view that we have. Um, it really is premium real estate up here. Um, yep. and so, uh, yeah, we just, we, kind of like to think of it like Yakima built the Yakima country club in East Valley and some of the neighbors weren't that excited about it, but look how much of a positive influence the Yakima, the Yakima country club has been on East Valley. Mm -hmm. um, we're trying to put in the next generation golf course. Uh, it's a surf park. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, yeah, we're hoping, we're hoping that people can see that the, that we're, willing to invest money in a project that really lifts the entire area, um, yeah. both economically, uh, from a real estate standpoint. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we, what we tell people is, is all change is scary, but not all change is bad. Um, right. and, and we think we've demonstrated through our research, uh, through others research, um, that we are, bringing a net positive. Uh, there are some things that are going to change traffic. There are going to be more sure. cars. Um, um, and so, yeah, a little bit more noise, but we have a 40 acre barrier in between the, the 
that secondary 40 acre parcel that we have for uh, habitat offset actually sits mm -hmm. between us and our neighbors. Uh, okay. So the closest the pool will get to our property line is a quarter mile. Uh, the closest, the next closest house is a half a mile. Um, so we, um, we're not putting in, we don't have plans to put artificial lights in. We want to, we want to qualify for a, a, a dark skies, um, uh, qualification. Um, what is that? Let me interrupt you because that was in my notes to ask you. And so you brought it up, what is, what is dark sky? Uh, so it's, it's, a it's an accreditation, um, they mostly do municipalities, I think, uh, but they will do individual projects. Um, and it's essentially that you are, you have been smart about your lighting choices and your mm -hmm. lighting choices are causing the least amount of light pollution possible. Um, cause again, I'm, I'm from a suburb. You got to see a star or two over on, on the West side. Um, but over here, I actually bought a house in the area cause I, I believe in what I say about traffic and water. Um, out here you you get to see some pretty good stars and, yes, and we want, we want our patrons and guests to the chance to see them. That's awesome. Walk me through what you envision. I, okay. <clears throat> I'm going to paint a scenario that's completely fake because I'm about to say I'm going to go surfing and that's just, isn't, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> but I show up at Barreled. I've got a, a reservation for say 11 a.m. for an hour. How many waves? Walk me through. How you know? It's like when you go to a ski resort. You know, you you, you buy your lift ticket. You, you, you how many runs you can go on is kind of dependent on how good of a skier you are and how how busy the the chairs are and all of that. But walk me through what a tip what you envision a typical experience is going to be like. Yeah. So not to dodge the question, but. Uh the it really does depend on your experience level uh if you are an experienced surfer what let's we'll, go with that let's okay with yeah that. and then we can jump into the beginners right let's uh, go with basic, experienced yeah experienced uh you'll show up uh you'll change into your wetsuit you'll do your warm-up on the shore at probably show up at 10 30 do your warm-up 10 45 in the pool uh right mm -hmm. at 11 um you will either be on right hand or left hand. You will have to choose your session just because there's a big machine in between. Um, that doesn't make it very easy to, you can't okay. duck dive under that one. No, uh, probably not. Probably yeah. Not. Uh, and so, um, yeah, so you will pick left or right. Uh, and I tell people you will be with about 10 people, 10 to 12 people. Okay. And I tell people you can, you will have 12 opportunities to catch waves uh, because it's obviously on you to paddle in and catch the wave, which is what makes this technology so magical is is um, how similar, how, how close the simulation is to ocean surfing, having to actual paddle in and catch the wave. Mm -hmm. um, so you'll get 12 chances at that within your hour. Uh, if you are familiar with surfing, um, you will know that you could spend five hours, six hours out in the break and catch 12 waves. Mm -hmm. um, so we are compacting your surf day into a surf hour, but mm -hmm. that means your paddle muscles are mm -hmm. getting a whole surf day's workout. <laughs> In a surf a compressed hour. amount of time, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. and so yes, the even even some of the most experienced surfers will 
will gas out after an hour. I have seen a situation where there was like <laughs> he was a superhuman. He did five sessions in one day, um, which I don't know how you do that. I tried to do one okay. session and I ended up on all fours throwing up on the side of the pool in Dogrog, Wales. It was not my proudest moment. Not uh, your proudest moment. All right. No, all right. no. Like, wow, Joey, you are not in shape. <laughs> Check. Uh, yeah. And so, um, yeah, so that's basically for the for the uh, people familiar with surfing. For a beginner that has no idea yeah. what they're doing, um, generally speaking, we will allow you to rent a board and go play in the, in the white water if you want. However, it will come highly recommended to sign up for one of our classes. It'll be a two-hour class uh, for a hundred bucks. You'll spend uh, an hour outside the first hour outside the pool learning the basics, um, both about technique and etiquette. Um, mm-hmm. And then we'll spend an hour in the pool um, pushing you into waves, getting you to paddle into your own waves, uh, and mm-hmm. hopefully getting you comfortable enough that you can make the jump up to the up to the premium wave eventually. Okay, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, you know, I didn't think about this in the sense that. Um, an hour would gas somebody because an hour doesn't sound like it's that long of a time. You know, it's an hour. I mean, come on. Oh, but if I get a chance for a wave every 12 minutes uh, and I got to work, it's not like it's just, yeah. Okay. I, well, I can and, see and this. All I'm saying is your audience, just think about how long you can stand versus how long you can stand on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. Instead of using your legs in skiing, you are now using your, your shoulders basically. Uh, and okay. so, um, yeah, way smaller muscles. They, I, I promise you, they get tired out pretty quick. Uh, even I, the best yeah. of us. So in, projections and i know we're, we're just you know things are subject to change and reality is different than what our conversation is here today and all that but how many people do you think this park will employ when it's firing on all on all waves uh-huh. yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we'll have cylinders i think the machine has cylinders i don't know yeah. probably yeah. um yeah it's going to be a pretty major operation um we're we're uh we're looking at at putting eight year round jobs, uh, into the mix and then 90 plus, um, uh, seasonal jobs. Um, and actually one of the, the things that we have a unique, uh, opportunity at is we are in the heart of ski country and Mm -hmm. ski country, a bunch of ski instructors and, and ski patrol are, uh, not working or not at least at the ski hills during, um, uh, during the summer. And so we're hoping, uh, especially with our buddies over at white pass to kind of create a situation, having been a travel bum, uh, I know eventually you get tired and want to want to set some roots down, but don't want to give up what you're doing. Uh, and so there's the opportunity to be a ski instructor at white pass during the winter and be a surf instructor at, at barreled surf park during the summer and buy a house in Yakima and raise a family and, and, um, yeah, it, it provides solid. some unique opportunities. All right. Now this might be the hardest question. Sure. Okay, you ready? This <laughs> yeah, might be yeah. the hardest question. So I based on what the no, so this is a podcast, people can't see what we're, we're, we're what I'm looking at, but I don't see a stack of money behind you. Sorry, I just don't see it. Like I'm I'm constantly <laughs> double checking throughout the day just to be safe. Yeah. <laughs> 
where are you at in in the in the process now of you you've kind of gotten through a bunch of the regulatory hurdles right and, and now are you are you fully fully enmeshed in fundraising and or where where are you at in the process now uh yeah so um we still have more permits to go just as a just to clarify but i would argue i would it's a pretty easy argument that we have gotten the two most the two scariest and most uncertain permits that other okay. projects um in particular the water right that other projects in the u.s are having a bit of trouble with Okay. Not only do we have the water right, we also have a, our land use permit, um, which at the time we were the second wave garden project uh, to qualify. Uh, we have since fallen uh, up a little behind a couple of the other projects because of their deeply funded pockets um, that they already had. Uh, and that is what I am currently looking for. Um, so we are... Um, not quite to the raise to get to put shovels in the ground. We're in kind of an intermediary step um, that I need, I'm guessing, somewhere in the five-ish million bucks uh, range to raise, um, which seems like a hell of a lot of money, especially when I you realize that I am still driving my 1996 Toyota Tacoma from high school. Uh, so <laughs> you better believe I'm playing the Powerball every time I get gas. Um <laughs> But yeah, so that leaves us looking for that leaves us looking for some money in in case the Powerball plan doesn't work out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so good that you have a backup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you gotta have a backup plan. That's what Mega Millions is for, the backup. Right. Oh. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so really, honestly, at this point, the only thing that is slowing me down is money. Is mm -hmm. um, it actually it it's kind of a twofold double whammy. Um, not only are interest rates going way, way up, which makes it way, way hard to convince somebody to pull money out of a treasury bond that's going to pay them 8%. Um, and the other piece is uh, locally, I, the hot market is um, on a little bit of a downswing. Um, so finding, finding some, some of the local, uh, heavy hitters that had previously invested, like in the, the local ski resort, um, um, some of the other golf courses in town, um, they're all kind of just tightening up just cause they can see what's on the horizon, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's just, it's, uh, it's a crazy idea. It, uh, I tell people it's just crazy enough to work, um, Sometimes that gets me into doors that I shouldn't have gotten into, um, and sometimes it gets a lot of doors uh, closed a lot quicker than than they would otherwise. Um, and so, yeah, I am I am pounding pavement every day. I am searching, 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 looking for um, somebody that believes in the potential for for um, one of these in the region, um, which is obviously going to be a unique individual that not only um, has some sort of regional connection to, to the Pacific Northwest. Cause otherwise the, there's, there's surf parks being built everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm looking for a guy that has some sort of regional connection with the Northwest that also understands the economic driver that surfing can be, uh, and that it, it is very similar to the ski and snowboard market. Like I said, that summer ski hill, um, where people are willing to travel, like from all over the world. I went to one in Wales. People go to 
these things all over the world. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I guess I'm searching for a needle in a haystack, but I'm searching. Awesome. Well, let me, let me ask you a couple of questions when you're not searching for the needle in the haystack, when you're not working on the business plan, when you're not looking in becoming immersed in all things, land use and water and all, <laughs> all, all those things. What do you like to do for fun and excitement when you're not chasing this dream? Um, I mean, if I am being honest, this, this, this is, this is it. Uh, okay. this That's takes fine. up, um, I mean, I'm a bartender and this takes up a ma- majority of my discretionary income. Uh, so yeah, what what I like to do for fun though, I, like I, I mean, literally this thing is, I eat, breathe, sleep, live, surf park because it is a one man show. So, right. um, yeah, nobody else is gonna read the growth management plans or or the water law or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I I uh, I guess I draw, draw the short straw every time when it's a company of one. Um, okay. But are outside, you a skier? Do you go skiing? Are you a skier at all? No, no. So, no. um, at part of part of growing up, um, <laughs> as a gymnast and trying to be fairly serious about it, I came back from the ski hill like back to back or not back to back weeks, but back to back trips with like a concussion. And my oh. coach made it pretty obvious. He was like, you need to choose. And so I chose. Well, so when I think of gymnasts, especially, you know, I, you know, when I think of gymnasts, I primarily think of women gymnasts and they're all very small and I won't say petite because they're extremely muscular, but you're, you're a dude, you're big. You're, you're bulky. Uh, um, yeah, I, I have, and- yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I'm not as disciplined as I once was. That's for sure. No, I don't mean big, like, uh, like dumpy big. I mean, yeah. like you're a muscular, you're, you're, you're sitting there and, and you look more like a, a linebacker than, um, uh, gymnast. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So when, what got you into gymnastics and, and you were on the gymnastics team at UW. So what was your specialty? Um, so what got me into gymnastics was actually, I was tiny my entire life. Uh, I was the smallest kid, um, going into ninth grade. There was another guy named Stu Jenkins. I think he was five one and I was five foot going into freshman wow. year of, yeah. Oh yeah. We were, we were tiny, tiny, tiny little things. Um, wow. well, how tall are you now? Five ten. Yeah. Okay. So you really shot up. Okay. But you're okay. Yeah. I grew like eight inches in two in my junior year. I grew four inches and then senior year, another four. It was, it was hard, hard doing gymnastics then. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But yeah, no, I was supposed to be a small little dude my whole life. And then I I hit the growth spurt late. My parents aren't very big. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I've, I have ripped down my fair share of equipment, no doubt. Um, It, it, uh, it is good for the ego walking into a gym where you're one of maybe three people as big as you. It's great. And then you like walk back out into normal society and you're like, Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, but those guys smoked me on every event, but it, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, like I said, I wasn't supposed to be this big, but I will say I am, if any of those guys that you see on TV in the Olympics were five foot 10, they would mm-hmm. be, this wide <laughs> right. uh, yeah i mean um yeah just because they are so compact and tiny they 
they don't look very big, but man, if they were, they're, they're yeah. uh, yeah, their strength to weight, I'd take it over anybody's pretty much. So what was your, what was your favorite? You, you mentioned you, you, you tore a bicep on the rings, but what was your, what was your favorite? Um, I don't know enough about gymnastics to really speak intelligently here. So please bail me out. Yeah, no problem. But There's what... six guys events. We got four. Okay. Pommel horse, rings, vault, parallel bars, and high bar. Um, okay. I would say my f- two favorites were probably parallel bars and high bar. I like to go flying. I like to the release moves and big dismounts and all that good stuff. It it was. Uh, I tell people I've been chasing that high for eleven years now. So wow. okay. um, since I retired, and so um, yeah, it um, yeah, I did one of the reasons why I decided to stay at UW, it was just a collegiate program. It wasn't, um, NCAA funded. There's only about 15 men's gymnastics programs left in the country. Um, yeah, at one point I was considering going to Michigan, uh, and walking onto the team there. And (laughs) I, it took me a while to realize this. My mom took me to visit in February and the middle of June, like the two worst times to go to Michigan, I guess. And that was all strategic. That was enough. Okay. <laughs> that was gotcha. Also, I would stay close to home. Good, okay. good one, right. mom. Good, good one. Yeah. Good, yeah. Well played, mom. Well played. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. No, it's, uh, and, and when people ask me how or why'd you think of the surf park, I, I do have to credit gymnastics with um, testing your realm of what you think is possible. Uh, uh-huh. I tell everybody um, it seems impossible until somebody shows up in the gym and does it and then gets to put his name on it. Uh, right. Actually, one of my teammates um, um, at UW was the first in the world to do a skill and so yeah, I have literally seen the impossible done. <laughs> what what everybody right. thought could never have be done, I've seen done. Um, and so when when somebody tells me, "Oh, that's impossible," it's like, well, watch it watch it happen. Exactly. Well, it was it when Roger Bannister broke the 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 mile record? You know, nobody had done it. Nobody had done it. He did it, and then all of a sudden, everybody, everybody could do it. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. everybody could do it. Yeah. All right. So. Here's some questions I ask every guest. Sure. You ready? Yep. Awesome. So I'm a, I'm a big coffee fan. Uh, where's a great place in the Yakima area for me to get coffee? Uh, I actually don't drink much coffee. I know. I, I, I do know. drink you're gonna some. Help me out. Um, you're going to help me out here. On emergencies. So let's see. Uh, I go to CNS Coffee House. I think they are great. They've got okay. a couple of places on, around town. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, coffee and sandwiches. Yeah. Um, and then I'm Not blanking right. on the name of another one up by my house. Yeah, like I said, I oh. am a creature okay. of habit. So once I find mm-hmm. a place, I do. I, right. I follow that routine. So so the second part of me showing up in the Yakima area is I'm looking for lunch. Where's a great place for lunch? Uh, depends on what you're looking for. Nope, nope. You get to tell me. You're going to tell me where's a great place for lunch. It doesn't matter if I like what you're going to suggest or not. I want to hear what you think is a great place for lunch. Uh, so especially the, you got to go to the union gap one, not the one in West Valley. It, it's also great, but it's, you don't get the full sense of the place. But, um, if if you ever heard of Los Hernandez, uh, tamales and their asparagus, asparagus tamales, 
are they do them i think like early in the like may i think is when they do the asparagus tamales um but yeah my my dad loves tamales so for some reason i guess it's a, a little hereditary hereditary okay i'm gonna put you on the spot what's the best beer at bail breaker oh <laughs> for you for you what's your what's your like if you're gonna sit down i'm gonna show up at bail breaker we're gonna have a beer together what are you gonna order so my favorite beer of all time, which isn't on all the time, is probably the Rage, Raging Ditch uh, Blonde. It, okay. Um, but I'll tell you what, they just they have this friend series that they do, and they just did a fresh hop collaboration with Russian River, and that mm-hmm. was easily my favorite fresh hop I've ever had. If you can find okay. it, it's hard to find now. Um, okay. But yeah. All right. Last question. <laughs> sure. Got to answer it, and you got to explain why. So it's a, you, you got to give me an answer, and then give me give me your reasoning. Okay, sure. super serious here. Ready? <laughs> cake or pie, and uh, why? Oh, uh, cake, easy. And okay. if I can be more specific, ice cream cake. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, yeah I so have. That's, that's the. Okay. It, yeah, that's the ice cream cake is the way to my heart. Mint chocolate chip ice cream cake is uh, mint chocolate chip ice cream cake. Okay. Oh yeah, so then, funny um, this question. Some some people freak out, can't answer it because it's like you know left hand or right hand. I don't know which one I have to cut off or whatever. Some people it's super easy. It's always just kind of fun to watch the reaction of the guests when they go. Oh, I, I was uh, uh, I was watching Good Morning Football this morning, and one of the guests or one of the hosts was like, "Oh, I'm surprised you had a take on that." He's like. And the guy responded with, I wake up with takes. <laughs> I've got takes on everything. That's, that's I, I got, a, I got a solid response. Yeah, I got takes. I got, uh, yeah. You won't, you won't awesome. catch me on the fence too often, but sometimes. Awesome. Well, Joey, I really appreciate you taking the time. I'm really excited to keep an eye on, on Barreled. I think it's a great idea. I think it's, it's, I think it's quirky in the sense of like you're going to put a surf park in the high desert, I th- which I think is cool. I love your, <laughs> I love the research that you've done in the sense that you've, you've identified it kind of as the, the off season ski park, if you will. And so the fact that your labor pool might be able to come from white, white pass as well, that, that seems super smart. I, I just think you're able to articulate a really clear vision for this. And I think the region would benefit from it. So I, I, I hope that you have uh, continued success. Oh, man, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for sharing the, the platform. I'll, I'll just give a shameless plug. If you know oh, yeah. if you know any uh, uh, rich guys or gals that love surfing, uh, send me an email at joey at surfbarreled.com or you can find us on the socials uh, at surfbarreled. And uh I'm the only guy that responds to that stuff, so uh, I will be sure to see it. (laughs) Awesome. Joey, thanks so much. Thank you, Scott. Really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the show. You can reach me on Twitter at ExploreWaState. I'd love to hear your comments. You can also visit our website at ExploreWashingtonState.com. If you know anyone who would like the show, it'd be amazing if you'd share the show with them. This is the biggest way that we grow this show. Good old word of mouth. Glad you were here with me today, and I hope to have you listening to the next episode. See you then.